Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. A reading from Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, verse 56. Dukkeshvik vanadvikna mana sukkeshu vikatas vihavittarakabhayakrarastitadirmuniruchate One who is not disturbed in mind, even amidst the threefold miseries, or elated when there is happiness, and who is free from attachment, fear, and anger, is called a sage of steady mind. So I'll read a part of the purport. A Krishna conscious person is not at all disturbed by the onslaughts of the threefold miseries. For he accepts all miseries as the mercy of the Lord, thinking himself only worthy of more trouble due to his past misdeeds. And he sees that his miseries, by the grace of the Lord, are minimized to the lowest. Similarly, when he is happy, he gives credit to the Lord, thinking himself unworthy of the happiness. He realizes that it is due only to the Lord's grace that he is in such a comfortable condition and able to render better service to the Lord. And for the service of the Lord, he is always daring and active and is not influenced by attachment or aversion. Mukam karoti vachalam bhangam langayate girim yaki pamdamam mande sigurum tibetarinam omagana timirandasya gananjara shalakaya so the threefold miseries, in case you don't know, there are three kinds of miseries. That is adiyatmika, due to our own body and mind. That is one type of misery. The body gives us trouble and the mind gives us trouble all the time. And a second type of misery is due to other living beings. Aribotika, that could be human beings, it could be insects, it could be animals. So Aribotik, and Aridivik means the demigods, or nature, too hot, too cold, too much rain, too little rain, Aridivik misery. So what is the attitude of the devotee towards these miseries? Prabhupada explains, he said, oh, this is, this is Krishna's mercy. I should have gotten much worse. I am such a sinful person. So that's how the devotee thinks. How the non-devotee thinks is, why is God doing this to me? I am such a good person. I don't deserve this. Why me? Why I should get cancer? Why me? It happens to so many people. One out of two uh, men and one out of three women in the United States get cancer. <laughs> so why, why not you? No, it could be. And so these are different attitudes. And when he's happy, the devotee says, oh, this is Krishna. I could never have done this without his help. Whereas a non-devotee thinks, just see what I have done. And if something bad happens, God's fault. If it's good, it's me. <laughs> A devotee thinks, no, no, if it's good, it's, it's, it's God. 
he has given me this gift. And if it's bad, it's my fault. He takes responsibility for his karma. So, but it's hard sometimes to realize this, that, you know, we say you're not the body. So if you're suffering, it's just your body. It's, it's not you, it's not the soul. So, but very hard to realize this practically. And so sometimes devotees would ask Prabhupada about this, you know, how is it, you know, um, uh, the body is affected by the modes. We are experiencing desires. Prabhupada said to the devotee, you are not experiencing, your body is experiencing. You are feeling cold due to the body. You, you are not feeling cold. You are not feeling cold. The body is feeling cold. The devotee said, but I think I'm feeling cold. Prabhupada said, you are thinking, that is illusion. <laughs> so I should rise above that? Prabhupada said, yes, but not artificially. But this is the fact, you have to gradually rise to that level. The fact is this, when you have a fever, actually you're healthy, but the fever has come. And you're thinking, oh, I'm feverish, I'm feverish. But this condition will not stay. You will again become healthy. So don't be disturbed by the feverish condition. Go on with your duty. Don't misidentify, oh, I've become feverish, everything is finished. Everything finished. Gita says, Mata sparsas to kongteya sitosna sukadugaha. Just like a few days ago, it was very hot. It was over 90, and now it's cool again. So, but what, what are we supposed to do about it? Can you change it? Can you change the weather? It's Adidaivika. It's, uh, it's the miseries due to the demigods. So, if you understand, actually, there's a principle that you're you're, you're a spiritual being, you're not this body, you're not this material covering. If you really understand that principle, then you will do one thing, and Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, right in the beginning, heat and cold, happiness and distress. The first symptom of a saintly person is titikshava, that he will tolerate. One time, Srila Prabhupada was very sick with fever and diarrhea for three days. He was tossing and turning. And his servant asked him, does a pure devotee suffer? And Prabhupada's answer was, no, it was a lover's bite. He saw Krishna, he saw the hand of Krishna behind it. Even when Krishna came here, there were disturbances, and that's why Krishna came. Krishna comes when his devotees are having disturbances. And the attitude of devotee is to tolerate. Kunti was there when Krishna came to this planet. And she had so many troubles. Her daughter-in-law, was Jopati, was insulted. Her, the kingdom was taken away. They had to go to the forest. And, but then when they got everything back, when they got the kingdom, she said to Chris, she offered prayers, and she said, I want the, I, I'd rather have the difficulties, because when I had difficulties, you would always come. Now I got my kingdom, and you're leaving. No, don't leave. Give us the difficulties and stay with us. So that was her attitude. Parikshit Maharaj, who heard Srimad Bhagavatam from Shukadev Goswami, when he heard the news that he was going to die in seven days, he said, Sadhu mene, very good. This is really good. Now I can get out of politics forever. <laughs> I can leave the kingdom. I can just hear and chant. I can do my devotional service nicely before so many 
interruptions. As emperor of the world, he couldn't really do his service nicely. Vidura also, he was, he was kicked out of the palace by Duryodhan. And although at first it was a little painful, the sharp words, but afterwards he was within, he was thanking. Vidura, yes, this is, this is very good, thank you. Now I can go on pilgrimage, I can be free to travel and see all the holy places. And so he took this as a blessing. So let's go back to the three kinds of disturbances, adibautic from other living beings, adidaivik from nature or the demigods, and adiyatmik from our mind and our body. According to Bhagavatam, these three miseries can be counteracted uh, in this life. So how to do that? So first of all, we have the miseries due to other living entities. Bhagavatam says we can counteract these miseries by good behavior and freedom from envy. How to counteract the adidaivika, the, the miseries from the demigods? How to do that, Bhagavatam says, by meditation in trance, we can counteract these miseries due to providence or nature. And how do we counteract the miseries of the body and the mind? By hatha yoga, pranayama, and so forth. Interesting ideas from Bhagavatam. So I would like to explore these a little bit more. First of all, Adi Daivik from the, the nature, from the demigods, meditation and trance. So what is the best meditation? Chant Hare Krishna, serve the deities. If you see the deities, look at the deities, then you will remember them during your day and you can pray to them. There is one example of a, a sadhu. Uh, so a few years ago, in Kedarnath, you know Kedarnath in India, it's the pilgrimage place of Lord Shiva. So the government authorities decided to move Durga's temple above Lord Shiva's. And the Pujari, the night before they're going to move her temple, had a dream. She said, don't do it. But they did it. They moved the temple of Durga above Lord Shiva. And within a few days, there was a huge devastation in Kedarnath. A big flood and rock slide and all the shops were destroyed and all the guest houses were destroyed. And about a thousand people were stranded up in Kedarnath because it was, the, it was summer, it was the pilgrimage time. Everybody goes up there and, and, and it's, you can only reach it by a you know, small road, uh, single lane, double lane. So uh, there was one sadhu. Uh, only thing that wasn't destroyed was Lord Shiva's temple. That remained. All the other things were finished. So one sadhu, during, the, during that devastating flood and rain and, and rock slide, he put himself in front of the Lord Shiva temple and he was saved. And so the government was sending up helicopters to take people out. And they told the sadhu, now you can come in the helicopter. He said, no, I'll walk. I will walk. This is an example of uh, counteracting adidaivic miseries by meditation and trance. So this sadhu, he was in his meditation. Perhaps he had some mystic powers. Maybe he wasn't going to walk. Maybe he was going to fly. Who knows? Uh, but, um, <laughs> he, you know, he was, he was going to go up from Kedar and not down to Dehradun. They were uh, taking all these people who were stranded 
up in the Himalayas down to Dehradun, thousands of people. And he said, no, I don't need a helicopter. I'll just walk. Well, this is an example of how by meditation and trance you can be counteract the idiotic miseries, the miseries of nature. Um, so the adibotic, that means the miseries due to other living beings, by good behavior and freedom from envy. So in, in this world, there are people who are superior to us, there are people who are equal to us, and there are people who are junior to us. And so it's recommended in Bhagavatam, we should be merciful to those who are junior to us, not put them down. We should serve uh, the, the seniors, and we should make friendship with the equals. So sometimes we see in ISKCON that there's difficulties between devotees. The Prabhupada said, we cannot expect anywhere there is ut utopia, and that is impersonalism, because devotees are persons, there will always be some lacking. But the difference is they're lacking. They've given up everything to serve Krishna. Their lackings have become transcendental because their intention is to serve Krishna. So I, there is one, um, Prabhupada used to walk on Juhu Beach. I also went sometimes with him in Bombay on morning walks. And one of his uh, companions was uh, a man named Dr. Patel. He would always argue with Prabhupada about Bhagavad Gita, he, his idea was that it was, uh, the highest was impersonal realization. That, yes, Krishna spoke Bhagavad Gita, but the goal is to get liberated, to merge, to have liberation, to be free from these miseries. But he was also a very nice um, man. He, he donated mattresses for the devotees. The devotees were very, very austere blankets. He gave pillows. Uh, to the devotees. One time I saw Giriraj, he was a Maharaj, now he's Giriraj Maharaj, he was a brahmachari. He was lying underneath the table when I was in Juhu. And I said, what are you doing there? What are you doing under the table? He said, well, you know, I have a high fever and this is the only place nobody will step on me. So that was our, how we used to live in India. Uh, that was Bombay, it was a hut. So um, Dr. Patel, he, gave, he donated so many nice mattresses, but within two years, they all disappeared somehow. So he complained to Prabhupada, you know, they, these devotees, they don't care for their things. They don't take care nicely. They don't care for their health. Prabhupada said, <laughs> these devotees don't care if they have to sleep on the floor. They don't care if they get disease or don't have proper facilities. That liberation you so much desire, they already have. <laughs> so that was Prabhupada, how, how we transcended the miseries in India. Because Prabhupada was there and, and we were so happy, we, we would forget, you know, we, so many problems. And then you, Prabhupada would ask you, is, is everything all right? And we couldn't remember the problems <laughs> somehow. So that, that was, that if you go and look at the deities also, you may forget your problems too. Especially if you look at Krishna playing the flute. You may hear it, and he may take you. So beware. Um, yes, the miseries due to other living beings. And then the miseries of, um, due to your body and mind, according to Bhagavatam, it recommends hatha yoga and pranayam. Uh, as far as pranayam is concerned, Prabhupada said chanting Hare Krishna. 
And dancing in ecstasy are also considered pranayama. So we are doing pranayama every day when we chant and when we dance. The same effect will be there as, as when you do the breathing exercises of pranayama. And it will be easier to control your mind if you chant and dance than if you simply do the breathing exercises. Uh, so this is pranayama. Uh, I'd like to also read, where did my Gita go? Huh, here it is. A little bit from Bhagavad Gita, chapter 6, verse 17. Krishna recommends how to get rid of the miseries by practicing hatha yoga. Yukta hara viharasya yukta chesta sikharmashu yukta sapnava bodhasya yoga bhavati dukkha ha. He who is regulated in his habits of eating, sleeping, recreation, and work can mitigate all material pains by practicing the yoga system. We are also yogis. We are bhakti yogis. At the same time, we must have regulation. Regulation is, is there's a word for regulation. Uh, what happens when you regulate? Uh, also, it, you balance everything. And just like in Ayurvedic medicine, there is one word which describes the whole Ayurvedic medicine, and that word is balance. You have to balance the three doshas, pitta, kapha, and vayu, vata. So also the yogis must have a balanced life. And when you come to the level of balance, it's called the mode of goodness. Goodness means balance between all the modes. And this is here, Krishna tells us how practically to apply this principle of balance, of coming to the mode of goodness. He who is regulated in his habits of eating, sleeping, recreation, and work can mitigate all material pains by practicing yoga system. So sleeping, Prabhupada says, a Krishna conscious person cannot bear to pass a minute of his life without being engaged in the service of the Lord. Therefore, his sleeping is kept to a minimum. So Prabhupada, when he would, Shudakirti was describing that when Prabhupada would go to sleep, Prabhupada said, oh, I don't want to sleep. It's such a waste of time. And Prabhupada gives the example of Rupa Goswami, who could not sleep more than two hours a day, so sometimes not even that. And Prabhupada, he used to sleep um, two to three hours at night. He would sleep at 10.30, get up at 1, 12.31, and write his books. And that's why we have our books today, because he kept that up every day, even though it didn't matter, he was traveling around the world 14, 12, 14 times. He kept up that schedule. Um, and uh, let's see, as far as work is concerned, a Krishna conscious person does not do anything which is not connected with Krishna's Interest, thus his work is always regulated. Um, because he's regulated in his work, speech, sleep, and wakefulness, there is no material misery for him. How to counteract the miseries of adhyatmic, the body and the mind? Be regulated. Chant Hare Krishna. Prabhupada said there's three causes of disease, overeating, anxiety, and uncleanliness. So if you have a problem with any one of those, uh, it could cause disease. Or if you are sick, you can look to the root of it. It could be one of those. So the attitude of the devotee is given to us by Lord Brahma in his prayers. The devotee hopes against hope for the mercy of the Lord to be bestowed upon him. 
Srila Prabhupada had this hope and that's why he left his comfortable rooms in Vrindavan and went on a very uncomfortable boat ride, having two heart attacks. He had faith in the order of his spiritual master and even though he didn't have much success in the first year, he kept on with his service. He didn't give up and that's why we are all here today. Prabhupada had this attitude. Bunjana ivatma kitam vipakam and at the same time, having hope that the mercy will come, we have to tolerate the reactions to our past misdeeds. Prabhupada tolerated, of course, they weren't reactions to his past misdeeds, but he tolerated two heart attacks. He got his first room. He had no windows, no bathroom. He had to go somewhere else to use the bathroom. And he had to tolerate us, too, crazy disciples, um, who, <laughs> who <laughs> didn't have any culture or training. Uh, we didn't know. Yeah, he had to teach us everything. And, uh, but he tolerated. And that's the principle of Bhagavad Gita, is heat and cold, happiness and stress. And Hridvagva Purpir Viradhanamaste, you have hope, you tolerate, and then what do you do? You go on with your service. With Hridvagvapu, with your body, mind, and words, you engage in devotional service to Krishna. You serve Krishna. Now, Prabhupada did that. He traveled, he wrote books at the same time. He, he also took care of ISKCON. He managed ISKCON. He wrote thousands of letters, three thick books of his letters. And uh, he thought how to spread Krishna consciousness, body, mind, and words. So he is our example of a devotee of this verse. Jiveta yomukti pade sadayabhak. And if you have hope, if you tolerate, if you serve, then you will inherit the spiritual world. You'll be eligible for going back to home, back to Godhead. So, now, how is it that sometimes difficult things happen to devotees? Why do devotees suffer? Vishnu Chakravati Thakur comments that it is at night that the sunrise becomes attractive. During hot summer, cold water gives comfort. During cold winter months, warm water is pleasing. And at night, the lamplight appears very attractive in the darkness. And when one is distressed by hunger, food tastes especially good. So to strengthen the devotee's mood of dependence on him and longing for him, the Lord arranges for his devotees to go through some suffering. And when he appears to deliver them, their gratitude and transcendental pleasure are boundless. So how do we understand this? That, you know, how, how can we, you know, I'm a devotee, you know, why sometimes it's difficult, you know, the difficulties come. So Bhagavad asked Prabhupada this question. He said, I'm confused because throughout your books, your lecture, you say when you become a devotee, you're on the transcendental level. At the same time, you talk about being affected by the modes of nature. So I'm a devotee. I practice the principles of devotional service. I experience a certain amount of transcendental pleasure. At the same time, I feel affected by the modes of material nature. Sometimes you feel like that. The modes are getting you down. <laughs> so how, how is it I can be on the transcendental platform and still be affected by the modes of nature? So Prabhupada gave an answer to that question. He said, it's just like being on a boat. 
How many of you have ever been on a boat? Not so many, hmm, okay, well, here's what it's like when you're on the boat. Uh, if you're on a boat, no one can say you're not on the boat, but sometimes big waves will come and rock the boat. So your position on the boat may not be steady. Those waves are the modes of material nature, and the boat is the transcendental platform. You're on the transcendental platform, but sometimes the waves of material nature rock the boat. And so your position is not steady. How will you become steady? For that, you have to learn from the captain of the boat, the spiritual master, how to steer the boat. If you learn expertly, your position on the boat will be steady even in the greatest storm. Similarly, on the transcendental platform, if you learn from the spiritual master how to steer the boat of transcendence through the ocean of material life, then you'll become steady even in the greatest storm of the modes of material nature. And so we are very fortunate because we have Prabhupada's books. They are there to keep us steady. They are there to help us. It's described in Bhagavatam both by rising and setting, the sun takes away the duration of life of everyone except one who uses his time discussing the topics of Krishna, Bhagavatam, Gita. If you use your time this way, then you will not be touched by time. Uh, also, there's another verse in first canto. Uh, the sages are saying, as long as Yamaraj is present here, no one shall meet with death. So I don't know if you know, but Yamaraj likes to hear Krishna Kata. So if you're in the class, you will not die, because he's probably here in the class with you. Maybe one of you are Yamaraj, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, so this is the way to spend your time always chanting and hearing Bhagavatam, chanting and hearing Gita. Aho ni pieta, drink Bhagavatam. Hari lilamritavacha. In the beginning of Bhagavatam, there's a verse, niyama kalpataror kalitam falam shukamukaramita javasam yutam pibata bhagavatam rasam alayam moharahora sikha bhuvibhavakaha. That this, the Bhagavatam is the ripened fruit on the desire tree of the Vedic literature. And it has come from the mouth of Shukadev, so it's even more sweet. So drink Bhagavatam, drink Bhagavatam rasa. I think in India you have different kinds of rasas uh, that you make. I think in South India there's a very hot one, I don't remember the name of it, rasayan or rasa. Rasam, what is it? Rasam, oh, yes. So we cannot drink that one, but we can drink Bhagavatam rasa. It's very sweet, not hot. Uh, and it's even more sweet because Prabhupada has drunk it, and he's tasted it, and he's digested it for us. He's digested Bhagavad Gita. So many Gitas are there before Prabhupada came. No one became a Vaishnava before Prabhupada came with his Bhagavad Gita. And so this is how we can counteract the miseries, chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, reading Kirtaniya Sadahari and Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya, reading 
Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavatam, serving them and chanting Hare Krishna. And we will drink the juice of nectar of immortality and we get eternal life. So I'll stop here. If there's any questions or comments, you can ask at this point. So you mentioned about the balance of mind and body. And if there is no, if there is imbalance of mind and body, or there is a disconnect by mind from body, how do we take care of that? How do we bring it back right. to that? And the follow-up question is also another question. Is well, let's take one at a time. Um, so it, you, you're asking, is it good to disconnect the mind from the body to solve your problems? No, we didn't do that. But what happens if there is a disconnect because of the demigod or because of the nature? Or because How, of what the happens if there's disconnect between the mind and body? Yeah, I see this on Facebook all the time. There's a big disconnect between mind and body. <laughs> What's on your mind? Um, <laughs> I think this is a universal problem um, that we have here. Uh, yes, uh, chant Hare Krishna, <laughs> and that will bring you back. That will ground you. Uh, they will ground you uh, to bring you back. Also, again, as, as this, this, the solution of Bhagavatam, Hatha Yoga and Pranayam, that actually connects you because you're concentrating on the in, in the, in the classical yoga, you're concentrating on your breath. Your mind is concentrating on your body uh, and classical on the muscles, the different muscles and how they're moving. But the way we do it in bhakti yoga is we concentrate on the sound of the holy name. And that brings us to reality. And that connects, because the body is chanting, we chant out loud, the tongue is chanting, the ears are hearing. So there's the ears and the tongue, they are connected, and then the mind connects. This is good chanting, of course. Uh, when we're chanting nicely and, and, and not such good chanting, it's all just, you know, the mind is disconnected sometimes. But uh, in our, we are trying to practice connecting the mind and the tongue and the ears together in one thing, chanting the holy name and hearing the holy name. Then, further than that, I think uh, what really confuses me that once we have a mind and body together, and how do we connect to the soul? And yeah. if we connect to the soul, that the spiritual world, yeah. uh, that take care of everything. Yes, yeah, so again, the same answer. And when we chant Hare Krishna, we're connecting with the Supreme Soul, Krishna. And uh, when we connect with the Supreme Soul, then that is our soul, that is what our soul is doing, that's our nature, that is our eternal nature. Connecting with Krishna is how we connect with our soul. And, but we need to use, we, we don't renounce the body, we don't disconnect ourselves like the Buddhists, they disconnect the, the senses and the mind from the soul. But we connect the, the body and the mind to the soul by chanting Hare Krishna. Okay, yes? Yes, excellent talk. You know, your talk I enjoyed very much and, uh, and uh, I see your experience also speaks with, uh, with your talk today. Uh, I'm very little you know, to ask uh, this question, but you know, I don't know it's a correct question. So. I'll tell my own experience story, and uh, you can you can answer. Okay, this. do it shortly. Uh, shortly, okay. <laughs> I, I get up every day four or five. I I keep myself calm, real real quick. I le read one or two two chapters, and I do real quick japam, and I go 
I go office with a calm mind, but uh, in my profession, you know, very, very, very stressful job with the emails and the people, you know, they bombard with all 360 degrees. I could not keep myself calm there. I yes. have to, I have to shout to, to, to survive there, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I cannot, I cannot uh, just simply disconnect and go from this material life to, you know, that right, maybe right. it will take some more, some more, some more right, my, right, my right. time frame. So, uh, if possible, you have to keep some things to remind you of your spiritual position, like pictures on your desk. Your, if, you, if you chant Japa... I do, I do have a photo in my desk. Good, very good, very good. So whenever you get lost, look at the picture, look in Krishna's eyes and pray. I lost it. No, please get me back. Make your own personal prayers. Yeah, no, then you lose it, okay, then go back. You have to keep bringing the mind back also. Every half hour or every 15 minutes, bring your, try to bring your mind back. And pray for protection from all these disturbances. And the more you chant, then the more you, the more you do progress in your chanting, then the more you will actually be able to handle it in a calmer way. It, 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 will, it, it will take some time. Okay, this in front, he has a question here. Thanks. Um, how can you help someone who you love, who you see is suffering? Uh, how can you help? Okay, you heard that question. Um, well, the best way to help is to pray. Um, usually, you can give some material help, but it's usually temporary. And uh, their karma, they may not accept it. They may not accept your help on the material level. Uh, you can pray that uh, please help them understand what is the, their spiritual uh, path and let them be directed towards that path. Um, and that's the best way to pray, that please help them spiritually because that will be the, the permanent solution. That the permanent solution to get free from birth, death, disease, and old age is to revive our spiritual uh, relationship, our eternal nature as, as spiritual beings. And then we can live in this world more peacefully. And even the things may come to us, like, but we, we can, we're able to tolerate. We're able to tolerate. Any other questions? My question is, uh, Prabhupada has used word in Bhagavad Gita translation, desirelessness. desirelessness. And several times, like, you know, in lot of the verses he use what really he means here. What does desireless mean? He does describe that in one of the purports. I don't remember offhand. Desireless, we, we, first of all, he says the soul cannot be desireless. Because it's the nature of the living being to have desires. Desireless means not to have material desires, or desires for our own satisfaction. But we do have desires, so how to, how to have spiritual desires? What does it mean to have a spiritual desire? It means we desire to please Krishna. That's desirelessness. Because it's not for ourselves, it's for Krishna. So that's what it means to be desireless. And there's a verse in Chaitanya Charitamrita that the, the karmis, the jnanis, the yogis, they all have desires. Only the devotee is nishkam. He is without 
desires because he wants to serve Krishna. Krishna Bhakta Nishkam, Atta Eva Shanta. The rest, they, they are all disturbed. They cannot be peaceful. The materialistic person wants to enjoy this world. He wants things. He wants to control things. He wants the latest phone. I think now it's number eight. It's, uh, I, uh, number seven they had to get rid of because it explodes on the airplanes. I travel a lot. And, and they said, if you have the Samsung 7, give it to the crew for the flight. <laughs> you cannot check it in your luggage. You cannot carry it on. You cannot keep it. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> the things they make, you know, they give us more trouble. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's the answer. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Yes, in the very back. She have Hare a, Krishna. You have a, okay. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much for the nice talk. Um, so what if you, um, you want to be in mode of goodness and regulate yourself, but you are uh, failing repeatedly? You're, you want to regulate, but you're failing? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you yeah. want to be in mode of mode. goodness. You want to. But you're not being able to maintain it. Right. Um, that's a miserable condition, I think. And what, um, what category does it fall into and how to counteract it? What category do you fall into if you can't maintain the mode of goodness? Well, it's very difficult in this world because the modes are always fighting with each other. So it's, um, it, the category would be a struggling devotee, a sadhaka who's trying. But the thing is, the verse I quoted, you hope against hope. Don't give up the fight. There is a fight for our eternal life against Maya. Prabhupada wrote that in one purport. We, we have, don't give up the fight. Don't get off the boat. Now we're on this boat of transcendence. Don't jump off the boat. Don't think, oh, well, it doesn't work. I'm still getting affected. No, keep up the fight. And, and you can get help from Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra at any point. You can just open the book and, get, and pray, please give me guidance. Go to Prabhupada and pray, please give me guidance. Go to the deities, go to the devotees, and they will help you. And they can help you take the next step, what it means to remain in the mode of goodness. We have to cultivate the things in the mode of goodness. Uh, uh, Bhagavatam 11th Canto, Uddhava Gita, explains 10 different things we have to cultivate. The time, like the, there is a time for goodness, and that's early in the morning. Get up early. Cultivate the early hours when it's peaceful and you can do your spiritual life. Uh, there's ways that will help you to remain in goodness. Cultivate your association, the people you associate with, the mantras you chant, and uh, the place, your place uh, where you live. Make it in the mode of goodness. Make it clean. Eat prasadam. Don't eat unoffered food. So many, there are things you can do. So that is the life of the devotee. He's always trying to remain in the mode of goodness so it's easier to perform devotional service. So that's what you, you just have to practice and try it. And after time, it will become natural to be in the mode of goodness. Uh, yes, it, actually, at the beginning of Uddhava Gita, Krishna tells Uddhava, if you hear this Uddhava Gita, he gives five results, and one of the results is that it will become easy and natural to act in the mode of goodness. So that's my practice. 
Okay, Jai, all glories to Srila Prabhupada, Hare Krishna.